Okay, guys, please calm down, calm down. We're back for another week. Welcome to the Fed by Farmers podcast with me, Cammy Wilson. And me, Iona Murray. Iona, how have you been this week? I've been okay, thank you, Cammy. But more importantly, how have you been this week? Finally, you asked me. <laughs> that, thank you so much for asking how my week's been. Tell me. After a great week. Have you? I, I, I did a massive bucket list achievement this week. I was on off the ball. Now, for a lot of people, it probably means nothing to you as well. But to a lot of people outside of Scotland, it will mean absolutely nothing. But in Scotland, if you're, if you like football, I suppose, but you don't particularly need to like football because I don't actually, yeah, I like sports, but I just like the two guys that present it, Tam Cowan and Stuart Cosgrove. They're one of the last old school Mm -hmm. borderline being cancelled every week with the things they say. Well, close to the bone. Oh, yeah, they yeah they still say like uh, pumped and and buzz and <laughs> no pumped as in like you know that team got pumped yeah which means beaten by a lot if anyone's not familiar with the phrase <laughs> uh, there is other connotations of pumped but that's not well I suppose it all comes from the same kind of connotation however amazing I was on with Jim Smith as well Farmer Jim oh yeah it, it was good he was a laugh it was just amazing so what was it top that's so random how did it come about. Well, I'd been I'd emailed them and everything, oh, and I, I, keep, I kept saying to the landlord team, I'd said to Dougie Vipont, uh-huh. you know, if you see the boys, tell them I want on. It's on the it genuinely was on my bucket list. I'm not just saying that. I absolutely love the show. I listen to it every week, and actually, I heard the there was a girl who does rocks on Instagram. She like loves rocks. She's a Scottish girl. What just, Scottish geologist? I think she's called. All oh, right, like actual rocks. Oh, she just talks about rocks, right? And she got on it, and I'm like. Oh, she's she's great and she's an absolute laugh. But I'm like, mm-hmm. if she can go on it, surely I can do niche, it. Quite so niche. So after the Fiona thing, that was my chance. Mm-hmm. I was like, get us on there. So yeah, we sent my my boss at Landward mm-hmm. sent an email to the producer, got us on. Did they? So exciting! And I have to apologise to the Landward team who I know listen to this podcast. I've got to give them a shout out on it. Oh, uh, yeah. Can't do it all, can we? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And Tam, they lead it. They very much lead it, and you just so answer the questions. So were they just like, was it lots about Fiona? They asked a bit about Fiona, a bit about farming. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a, a hilarious moment where uh, one of the football pundits were in giving a, a roundup of what was on that week and what their talking mm-hmm, points mm-hmm. were. And they were talking about a, an incident with a you know, p- potential incident in the box about pulling jerseys. Right. And Tam turned around to me and Jim and said, have you boys ever pulled a jersey? <laughs> 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 uh, which was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Uh, absolutely <laughs> hilarious so, um, and if you're not sure why that's funny then ask someone else I don't want to go into it Google it yeah go- Google it yeah <laughs> pulling off a jersey see, see what comes up um, they're fantastic wee cows fantastic wee cows anyway it's the bills you need to watch for but uh, yeah and have you done anything good this week? <laughs> no not really it's been quite a quiet week I've been not very well not too good about myself too much no no I can see it looking at you here <laughs> I'm actually feeling a lot better. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> That's just your usual. Yeah, no, I, to be fair, I'm feeling it as well. Uh, Jock, my oldest, he's got the uh, a chest infection. He's on antibiotics. And yeah, everyone's... Angus, the youngest, was meant to be going for a scan tomorrow for a thing on his mm. nose. He was going to get knocked out unconscious. But he's got the cold now, so oh, it's unlikely that's going to happen. Is it weird for you saying, like, my oldest? Like, you've got enough children to say that? Oh, I'm kind of used to it now. Are you? Yeah. I still feel like a child myself. Yeah, it's, it's mad. mad. And You've the fact two children. And a third one coming. Uh-huh. You're like going to be a father of three children. How does that feel? Well, that sounds weird when you say it like that. Doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Father of How three. How many children do you have? Three. Yeah. 
Quite a lot. Mm, a squad. I think Lizzie wants about five or six as well. She, do you think she wants to keep going? Oh, she's mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mind too. I think it's great. Like, yeah. Yeah. Big, like old school, big families. Like, you know, when families, mm-hmm. like my father's one of like six, I think. I'm one of four. Wow. <laughs> Were you the last? Yeah. Is that right? There's seven years between me and my closest sister. So they were all really oh, so close together. <laughs> no. Well, sounds like it to me. <laughs> How really close with other three? So my brother's 10 years older than me. My other sister's nine years older and my other sister's seven. So so they were tight, they were planned, and then you <laughs> happened. Incredible. Oh, they just miss having a baby. Oh, no, I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> and uh, they love you just all the same for it? I mean, I'd stay so. Oh, hang on. Oh, she's crying. We'll cut. Hang on. <laughs> she's not. She's not. No, nah, I know that they do. They do. They tolerate they do. you and it's fantastic that they do. As many of us do. But this week, we've got Kaz. Yes. This was a good one. You know, he was just, uh, uh, he's different because yeah. he's a vet for a start mm-hmm. and he's very intelligent. Much cleverer than us. Much cl- So mm, it was a bit. It was seeping out of him. Yeah. The contempt. Yeah. No, we had a great laugh with Kaz. Mm-hmm. He's good for, for a, a Cambridge-educated vet. He's about as fun as they come. <laughs> not that I know many. They, they, I do not mix in those circles, generally speaking. But he's good. we'll speak to him. We're going to get into it. For a little bit of background, Kaz is a vet at Black Sheep Farm Health down in Northumberland. He moved up there from London after doing his vet student placements lambing yeah. placements at a farm called Alwinton which is also in Northumberland and that's where Kaz and I met I was the night shift lammer on that farm many many years ago I did about five or six years working there while I was in the police and I got to know Kaz from that and it's beautiful that he just came to Northumberland fell in love with it fell in love with farming yeah has gone the riches of London mm-hmm. and the south to come north and work for peanuts being a farm vet so good on him for that and he's going to tell us a bit about that and a bit about how he got into farming a big shout out to our sponsor, CF Moto. I think this is the last episode where actually we have a sponsor. Oh. So thanks to them for taking that initial package and coming on board. If anyone would like to sponsor the podcast, please do drop me a message or give us an email at podcast at fedbyfarmers.co.uk. A bit more on that later, but for now, here's Kaz. He is Kaz Strahartnik. <laughs> <laughs> two, two out of three syllables, right? It's good. It's not bad. Not the worst. Strahartchik. Strahartchik. Perfect. Yeah. And that's where Kaz comes from. From the Strahartchik. From the Polish side. That's that Polish. It's yeah. not his, name's, his name's actually Joshua. Kaz is his pseudonym. So what's what? a pseudonym? Hang on. What's his middle name? What is a pseudonym? Fake name. Yeah. From the Kaz Latin. is his oh, pseudonym. So that's not actually your real name? My middle name is Kaz. What's your first name? Joshua. Oh, right. That's true. Why do you, why do you go by Kaz? So uh, my dad's GP. Mm hmm. And he once made the offhand comment to me when I was about 16 that, because he'd see, you know, people coming in all their paperwork. So he, he reckoned like a third to half people use their middle name. Really? And he, I thought, you know what? I've got a really cool middle name. Yeah, you do. Uh, and I was going to university. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to use my middle name. I actually have two middle names. One's Henry, one's Kaz or Kazemius. And I thought, you know what? Girls will like a name with a Z in it. Yeah. yeah. And... And, no, and the other thing you think is no one's ever going to meet from my school life and my uni life and nobody will ever know. I see you were Josh all the way through school and just decided yeah. I'm going to be Kaz now. 100%. Kazemius. I wish you'd stuck with that. The yeah, man, pretty cool. Pretty cool bit of a mouthful. But there we go. And it worked, obviously. So there you go. No, absolutely, mate. And listen, there's nothing wrong with being a bit of a mouthful, so don't worry about that. <laughs> um, 
Keep it clean. This is an adult show. Keep it that you mind in the gutter. I'm just I went nothing wrong with your name. I don't even know what you are thinking about. But we, we should talk what we're gonna talk about. We're, it's great having Kaz here because as I said at the top of the show, Kaz is a, a long term friend of mine. Iona and Kaz are just new friends. They've just met today, mm-hmm. but Ooh, friends. Um, ooh, friend. Friend Kaz. Friend Josh. <laughs> um I didn't know him when he was Josh, I just knew him when he was Kaz. Um, I transitioned. Yes, and, and I <laughs> before the change, and I, I I've explained that we obviously met in Northumberland doing lambing, and you fell in love with that so much. But rather than talk about that, I think it'd be good to talk about the New Zealand thing. Yeah, have absolutely. You been? Pardon? Have you been? I have been. I've I've not long come back. So what was it's November now? I came back in mid August, and I was there for just over a year. So went out July twenty two, back August twenty three. Basically taking a sabbatical. Um, so I'm working for a really good practice, the practice I've come back home to in the UK, in Northumberland. But I'd always wanted to go to New Zealand ever since a friend of mine had been over as a student and, and then subsequently gone over there as a graduate. And yeah, I was working as a vet out there, right in the deep, deep south of New Zealand, which is definitely not the bit you would visit as a tourist. Why um, not? Because it's famous even within New Zealand for being oh. a bit of a dive, which is very unfair. But like, so for example, me and my girlfriend Hattie were going together and we were talking, you know, we had this in the in the works for a while, talking to lots of people from Scotland and from, well, from Northumberland who mm. had been to New Zealand, talking to lots of Kiwis in the UK. And, you know, you get all excited. You're telling them and you're going to New Zealand. They say, fantastic. And then the next question they ask you is, where are you going? The place we were going was somewhere called Gore. <gasps> I've been to Gore. You've been to Gore? Yeah. Right. The first thing they would say is, oh, <laughs> sort of sprinkle their nose up, nose do, you, up. do you understand that I don't know but do you understand why they would think that yeah compared to the rest of New Zealand because right, we're about two hours away from very tr- like quite cool places like Queenstown yeah. Wanaka uh, Dunedin's not too far away um, and Gore is Gore is most famous for the big plastic trout so in New Zealand they love big plastic or fiberglass statues mm-hmm. or whatever the town's famous for so in Ohakuni it's famous for like horticulture they, they've got a big plastic carrot yeah, in Cromwell, where they grow a lot of like fruit and grapes, they've got l- massive plastic peaches and grapes or whatever. And Gore is the world capital of brown trout fishing. Honestly? Yep. That's interesting. Absolutely. Um, and they love this is real New Zealand thing. They love it. And so I, I organised this job without looking where the where it was oh. in the world. And I was Googling this, Googling this trying to basically try to sell it to my girlfriend, Hattie, because it was really my idea to go to New Zealand. She was coming with me. Um, and... The first thing that comes up is this massive plastic trout. And <laughs> she's not the sort of girl, put it this way, she's not a big fly fish woman. Uh, she likes the nicer things. Uh, and then I'm scrolling down. What's the next thing? It's the New Zealand capital of country music. Oh, well, that's that's a win. No? I, I thought so. But, uh, but not maybe on the Hattie Scott yeah, scale of things. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. And that's basically what it's famous for. And it's, I think there might have been a sitcom about Gore in the 80s, I think. Oh, really? Because it's real, like, it, it, there's not really an equivalent place in the UK, as far as I can tell. Maybe, like, the West Coast Cumbria or somewhere mm. like that, you know, real, just out of the way. Stranraer or something. Stranraer, yeah. that's a good one. I, I, that's no no dig to the No, it seemed like a dig. It did seem like a dig. It did seem like a dig. Because I... <laughs> Gore was great. Like, I loved it, but it was oh, unloved. It, it was unloved. Un- <laughs> underappreciated. Okay. Yeah. Um, yes, yes. I went to a deer farm. Did, my, not, my friend was working on a deer farm in one, Gore. Was it... Because uh, there were a few... That was a really interesting thing. Because it wasn't the one, one there where they're milking the deer. No. Because there is a deer milking farm down there, which is really oh, interesting wow. to go and see. But that was like one of three or something in New Zealand. But I didn't, I didn't know velvet came from deer before so, I went. Well, exactly. And you can't, the thing is, in the, in the UK, you can't de-velvet um, 
Dear. So for those of you who don't know, do you know what the velvet is? Is this off the horns? Well, the, the antlers, the, the antlers yeah. sorry. So yeah, the yeah. velvet is, you know, like red deer, because most of the farm deer were red deer, they, they, they shed their horns, or their antlers, at the end of the rut. So the most, a lot of the year, they haven't really got anything growing on them, you know, mm. on, on top of their heads. But, but, what do you mean? Their actual whole antlers come off? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or yeah, yeah. Just, just the fur on them? Just the no, no, so, so, so what happens is, they, so say, uh, you, you know, it'll get to the, to the spring and they'll start growing this stuff but they so this from a bald head basically and they grow the velvet first so the velvet is like the vascular you know, the, the it's got all the blood vessels the nerves and that f- and the velvet you know that's what velvet's named after the fabric that's what it looks like it's really fine hairy stuff and it's the fastest growing tissue in the animal kingdom so nothing grows quicker <laughs> and it's and it's full of yeah it's full of growth hormone as you might understand you know appreciate um and it's really popular in chinese like what well, eastern medicine and so, what would happen if if you didn't do anything with that velvet is it would it would eventually feed the like these hor- the sort of, yeah horny outgrowths which, which become the antlers, and then the velvet drops off and it just leaves you with this antler core. Mm-hmm. But if you harvest that velvet, so you you know we were either running them into a very specialised crush or we were sedating them in a big pen and and then using local just much like dehorning a, mm-hmm. a a cattle beast or something. You would then harvest that, and you can normally get two, maybe three, I think, harvest sometimes in a season and it'd be selling for a hundred ish dollars. Don't quote me on that per kilo. So 50 quid a kilo or something. And, and how much are you getting off, you know, per, oh, per stag? Pass, pass, maybe a few kilos at least. A few kilos per stag? Yeah. And, and it would be, it would be. And it's what, sorry, a hundred dollars a kilo? New Zealand, I think it was about a hundred New Zealand dollars a kilo, if not slightly more. Obviously it's volatile, just like any commodity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, um, and there'd be, I think there are grades of quality. I didn't get too much into it, but there are grades of quality. And then that would go, to those export markets. And they'd be using things like teas, apparently. So, you know, you'd have, instead of us having like a green tea, you'd have an antler. Velvet tea. Velvet tea. Um, yeah. I'm so sure I've had velvet cake before. Red velvet. That's it. That probably yeah. powdered, I reckon. <laughs> powdered mm. stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so that was really, but yeah, the, the venison is really second fiddle to the whole velvet oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Totally. Is second. that right? The main antler is mm-hmm. the velvet. In, on most well, it farms, or, or, yeah. it would be velvet. And then second rung would probably be either venison or trophy stags. So selling stags to stations where they didn't take wealthy, often Americans, out and shoot them. Right, so you've got a great market for your stags. Your hinds yeah. obviously are... Hinds are breeding stock, I suppose, yeah. And, and you have this great market if... Yeah. You've got, yeah, a few outlets. Deer farm is quite big in New Zealand, eh? It was... Um, mm. Yeah, it is. I know who it was you went and saw, Alan and... Um, oh, Susan. Susan, of course. She's Sorry, Susan, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> I forgot your name there. Um, of course, I... No, so it was Susan you went Susan, to see, wasn't yeah, it? She yeah, was working she over was there. she was working out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Three, yeah. yeah. And just what chasing deer about mm-hmm. stripping velvet. Yeah, I don't. Is, if, well, so is that's, it painful though? Like, so, is, it, is so it leaving them raw? It's a. It leaves a little stump. Yeah, there's a, it's, it's the tissue itself before it's anesthetized is very very sensitive. It's full of nerves and blood vessels and what have you. Um, the when you're taking it off, it's all completely anesthetized. And actually, it's a great. Although, so in the UK, you can't do it by law. It's probably a throwback to when. People didn't do it with anything like yeah. tourniquets yeah. or a local anaesthetic yeah. and just sort of whop them off. So you, you go in, you, you normally, you know, most of them we were sedating them, so we just, you know, sleep on the floor. Um, and then you would pop a tourniquet on, you'd inject local around the base of the horn in a very specified way, a specified volume. It's sort of in a ring. And then you saw it off with a hacksaw. Uh, and they just don't feel anything. Don't feel anything. Are, are you like now, cauterizing it or something? Or? No, no, no. So you've got tourniquets on, used a little bit of like a specialized powder, like to, to, 
coagulate the, the blood. So now you not, don't burn it or anything. Because if you burned it, chances are it wouldn't grow wouldn't back. Grow back, like dehorning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, and you, you definitely wanted to grow back. Um, so I think the jury's out. I mean, it's a really interesting discussion. But what, what I will say is that deer, the deer industry in New Zealand are way ahead on the welfare. So they are, to, to, you know, cause you can see it's a high end product. If the wrong people got hold of, you know, decided that they disagreed with that, they've potentially a lot for them to go at, but they've taken the front foot, you know, to do that, you have to be, you have to be, if you either get your vet in to do it or you have to be annually audited by a vet, there's mm-hmm. very strict protocols to follow. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's very, even, you know, the volume of, of local anaesthetic you have to use compared to the base of the antler, it, they've really like front footed that. And I can think of several things, say in the UK and other parts of the world where, you know, you, you British farmers are great, but because of quirks of legislation, ends up being people end up being caught out for, for practical reasons and all we often all we do is not talk about it yeah and hope yeah. it goes away and yeah. it's gonna you know um, things do come out in the wash effectively um so yeah it's a great opportunity it's a great example of what's like an industry getting ahead of that and like saying and they've got all the receipts to say you know everyone's trained up we're using x amount of local yeah you know? yeah yeah it's all properly audited and yeah. controlled that's exactly. So, but I mean, the, the deer were great, but the, really the bulk of the work was dairy. Like was it, dairy yeah. paid the bills. Um, it's the size of the farms out there as well are wild. Yeah, they were, they were big herds and it was a really interesting area. That So again, I'm right at the south of the South Island and really over like my lifetime, it had gone from pretty much all sheep to pretty much all dairy um, for a number of different reasons. But been a, that it's really seismic shift, you know, huge, huge shift and... and it, it was very interesting. So that really, I, I'd arrived at that sort of juncture where that was all now start. It probably already plateaued and now was starting to probably not cow numbers come back eventually. I would suspect for a few different reasons: just animal welfare and um, environmental. Not that you know the farmers over there are great; they're really dynamic people. Uh, like they got stuff done for sure, um, and yeah, just as friendly as the farmers in Scotland or in Northumberland or wherever. But um, yeah, that, that, that time of change for sure. Yeah, and. You were saying you think a lot of sheep farms been put off for dairy in that area. Oh, you mean converted? Yes. Yeah, oh, 100%. So it's yeah. a massive thing, you know. Um, it, it, and if not converted directly for da- milking farms, then for what they call dairy support. So a lot of farmers would have, say they have a block, they wouldn't even have their own stock. They would be dairy support. So the, the Kiwi model typically, you know, no, no, no farms the same, but they'd have a good farm. They just want to milk as many cows as possible. Grow, keep it really simple grow grass, milk cows, grow grass, milk cows. So they wouldn't even be looking after, they'd maybe look after calves up into 100 kilos and then they'd go away to a grazier. That same grazier would probably keep them until their in-calf heifers ready to come back on and be milked. Uh, they'd often take the wintering cows as well, so they wouldn't even be looking after, you know, some of our farmers would go to Fiji in the 60 days of not milking cows, because which is quite nice, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And because the cows are away, at spe- you know, someone's just yeah, growing actually forage crops. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it keeps the system quite simple. Not not all farms are like that, and, and to varying degrees, I suppose. But yeah, it was um, it was interesting from that point of view. How do they compare to us? It's different different environment. In what sense? Who's better? <laughs> <laughs> nice closed question there. No comment. No, because no, <clears throat> they are. Guys, you're never going back anyway. Come no, on, no. just be honest about it. <laughs> no, no, some, it was one of the interesting You don't things, even have any dairy customers in the Thumbland, so you're not going to upset no, no, no. here. Well, so, so they were more dynamic, is what I would say. That they moved faster and they weren't so worried. I think partly that because they were making money. 
Mm-hmm. Now, they're, they're prosperous, and there's something to be said for making profit in farming because then you they, you get these new – if, you, if you're not making a profit, you can't do a profit share, for example. You can't break – so the average age of the farmers would be mu- – I couldn't give you a figure, but much, much, much younger than um, th- than in the UK. Yeah. Um, the land base is much more – it wasn't – Cheap, as cheap as it has been, but it's probably on par with the UK at the moment. But it's much more fluid. You know, there's no, they're much less tied to block, to, you know, to farms. And that might be a pro, might be a con, but, you know, they'd have a block here and there and they'd be trading mm. blocks. You know, everything moved a lot quicker. And that's all the problems that are now coming their way, as with anyone, whether that's bob, bobby calves or uh, water quality regs. Or, what's, what's, or, what's bobby calves? A bobby calf is, and I, I think the term would, would have been used in the UK in the past as well. So, in the dairy industry, you need a cow to have a calf every year mm-hmm. to produce milk. Now, you need a set number of those calves to replace your herd, you know, your heifer mm-hmm. calves. But a lot of those, you know, you don't need to keep a calf. A, half of them are going to be boys, and you only need a very small handful of bulls, if you need bulls at all. And you certainly not going to need all of those as replacements. So the question is then, what do you do with those calves? But again, simple system. Bobby calf, essentially a, a three, four-day-old calf that um, is sent on a wagon and turned into enters what they call the value chain, which is really, by, you know, byproduct, dog food, you know. Oh, so it's it's sent to slaughter at four days old? Yeah, something like right, that, okay. yeah. So the bobby truck would be there, you know. At, again, it's all highly seasonal, highly condensed. The bobby truck would be going around doing the that rounds. That doesn't happen in the UK. No, uh, no, not really at all. And and what would have happened in the past would probably just be calf euthanasia, so, you know, yeah, being yeah, shot. Yeah. And, and and that's and that's come to a halt with the pretty recently. You know, all these things are moving. Um, so the GB calf strategy, uh, dairy calf strategy, really put an end to that. And really, if you're selling milk to anyone, I think if you're farmer assured and you're selling milk, which is a vast majority of milk in the UK, then you can't. You, I think, don't quote me on the weights or the ages, but you have to rear them to a certain yeah, age and weight. Yeah. Basically, you can't. You can't. But they're not using head. sex semen in New Zealand. Not as much, no. Right. So there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of sex semen here, and it's more over there than it is. But sex semen isn't quite as in the. Just purely in the experience I had working there, because the impetus is on them to get the calves, sorry, the cows in calf so consistently and so quickly at the start of the block, sex semen is always going to be slightly behind conventional semen in terms of, um, well, it's not always, but it has always been slightly behind conventional in terms of conception. Okay, because it's just it's, it's you're talking a, about conventionalised and like fresh, you know, no, untampered no, no, semen. Frozen, you talk, you just mean, un, un, you know, just been frozen. Whereas right. with, do you know how they make sex semen? But they are still AIing. Well, I, th- I thought sex semen, they basically put it under a microscope and the ones that move fastest are the bulls and they pull <laughs> them out and the ones that are a bit slower are more likely to be females. Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> Am so, I close? Iona, you mm, have a guess. I would think females will always be faster. So It's I not to do with them. speed, I'll give you. <laughs> so what it is, what, what ones are, so, uh, so we all have, all mammals have two chromosomes, right? Two sex chromosomes. So, Kaz, steady now. Sorry. Sorry, it's 2023. Most. Just listen, we don't want to offend anyone here. Most. You can have as many chromosomes as you no, want, folks. You're right, you're right. Uh, so, so the, we write all, well, not all, most of us have a combination of X and Y. So, or if you're a bloke, you're XY. And if you're a lady you or female, you have XX. I identify as a lady. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. No. Brilliant. So basically, XX, you're biologically female. XY, you're biologically male. Now, the Y chromosome is, and that's de- that's decided by the sperm. So it's just the sperm that decides that because an egg is always going to be X. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, a sperm can either be X or Y. Right. So 
the Y chromosome that makes, basically makes boys is much smaller and much simpler than the X chromosome. Makes sense. Yeah, mm -hmm. makes checks. sense. Simple yeah. and smaller, yeah. right? Just anyway. Oh, yeah, makes sense. Science <laughs> is just so nice how straightforward it is. I know. <laughs> and, and consequently, because it's smaller, the X, sorry, the Y chromosome, it's lighter. And so if you have a stream of sperm, again, a microscopic stream of sperm, you apply a radio wave to them so it gives them a charge, an electrical charge, and then you pass them through an electrical, a magnetic field. It deflects them in different directions. Right. Uh, okay. So it deflects the, um, yeah, the 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 male the 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 X sperm one way, which we're going to create daughters, which is probably what most people are using, and the Y sperm, which will make males. That is very interesting. Uh, listen, I, I just I hoped that the podcast would go this way at some point, and we would just be like talking sitting here talking about sperm. <laughs> <laughs> like I knew it was only a matter of time. I didn't think it would be this soon. But um, I should have known with cars coming in. I'm, I'm just sitting here chuckling away to myself. So, the terminology, it's great. Going back but, to bobby calves. Yes. So, so and all, you know, it still works, sex semen, but it's... What you, are you, you saying there? Sex semen? Sexed. Sexed. Sexed, sorry. Okay. Sexy semen. Yeah. <laughs> sex semen's a different thing. <laughs> because it's we'll been handled... Because it's been handled, it's it's a more delicate product. You know, in some ways, it's, a, it's incredible that stuff works at all. You know, you get the stuff freeze out of a bowl, freeze it, could be 30 years later you're putting inside a cow yeah and, yeah, it, and it gets around calf incredible so but any anything any way we we sort of muck around with it those conception rates are going to fall um, and so that's why there's less sex semen used because you're right that is one way you get around having these relatively work you know low value male dairy calves is you sex semen on your best cows mm -hmm. get your hef replacement heifers out of them and then everything that you don't want a replacement out of you put to a beef but straw or a beef ball, and then suddenly you've got a much more valuable calf. But there still needs to be people to to rear those calves. Milk powder still needs to be mm. made, still needs to be made economic sense. And there was not a lot of people interested in doing that at, in the year I was there. I mean, dairy is like anything; it's so volatile, things can change. Yeah, change all the time. But yep. but that was a the big question was who's going to rear all these calves and where what they're going to graze because the dairy cows are on the best ground mm -hmm. and little calves need quite good, like sheep pasture really. They need pretty good going to grow. They're not like Suck the cows. Yeah, you know. just yeah, love off in. So yeah, that was a big thing. There's there's a lot there's a lot they had coming their way, but because they're so dynamic, I feel like they they will get over. There. I mean, at wormer resistance in the sheep was a big thing. That yeah, is coming. It's coming like that. a steam train. And we'll, but they will get round it, I'm sure, because they just sort of get on with it. Mm -hmm. You know. So that was a good. They're the willing good thing. to change. Would you say they're willing to change? The willing, that willingness to change. The the farmers the, are bad for that here on a, on a lot of fronts. But I feel like I feel like it's sort of I don't know, it's a double edged sword. So. They would change, but they would accept quite a lot of collateral, I guess. In, and I'm talking about, the, uh, not to, you know, every Kiwi farm is different, just like every British farm is different. But, you know, they would take this approach that worked and apply it everywhere in the same mm. way. From what I saw, or they'd apply it often without tweaking it too much. And that worked on a balance sheet just brilliantly most of the time. But it did, there were, there were some external costs, probably, would, most people would accept to the environment. So water quality, you know, runoff from winter grazing. That it, it, New Zealand has this most pristine glacial water if you go to places like Wanaka or Mount Cook or something. It's it's like blue like Gatorade, you know? Like it's uh, And then you go come down to in the winter to where I was and it was not that colour. Deep, was, dark gore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but they're coming around to it, you know, it's... Uh, it, they get stuff done. They will, they will fix what they've got. Now, what problems they'll generate with the next solution, I don't know, but... That's interesting. They were dynamic, which I appreciated. Yes, no, it's, it's such a um, useful word, that dynamic. Because I still don't know what it means. Just like it means a move. I, no, but, no, but I, I, I feel like it's a way of, like, I feel like it's kind of 
uh, derogatory but also kind of positive. Do you? I well, you know, I, I, I think it's derogatory. You, well, I can't tell where he's coming from there because it's like... No, no, I mean in a positive way. You know like that the business uh, philosophy, move fast and break things. Okay, yeah. Right? I'm so good. Look at my truck. a little truck. bit like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Point in case. Yeah, I've just yeah. got some heifers and that's their business philosophy as well. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And you, there's another good thing. You're getting into the world of farming now. Oh, it just everyone you, makes it look so easy. You're obviously in Do you the. Think? Po- I think you don't spend enough time with Cammy. <laughs> <laughs> You've went into the route of cattle. Yes. You, your um, future wife is, of course, uh, a large scale cattle farmer from Northumberland. Uh, in a fashion. ARS, yeah. ARS too. Um, and so, what have you got? What have you bought? Uh, well, I bought them about six weeks ago. I bought three. Angus heifers. We're down to two. <laughs> Hopefully top, I'll make it to Top Christmas. bet. Top, top bet. Bless <laughs> her. One, she just had a bit too much Caledonian. She was from the borders. Had a bit too much Caledonian spirit, I think. And she crashed into a crash barrier on the, just before we picked her up. And I think she did herself quite a lot of damage. Ah, so you, you hadn't bought her and then she died with you. You're okay? You're- yeah. Oh, the, the guy looked after me very well. Like I, I gave, you know, she's she sort of a bit dazed um, mm-hmm. and... She could walk onto, you know, she was fine to travel. And then it was a few days later, she, I think this adrenaline had worn off and... Um, Brain bleed or something. Whether that or it was in the neck. So she yeah. started, she mm. started to look quite drunk and then she went off her legs. But the guy who I bought from was, was you know, you couldn't fault him. He was, stood by her. And, yeah. Anyway, so we're down to two. But then um, Ollie, like you say, had his family, um, uh, sort of beef barons uh, of Northumberland. So they had a... <laughs> They just finished cattle, but they'd had one a while ago. It was a chance carver, so she carved it, you know, un- unexpectedly in calf, and she was still knocking around like fat as butter. So um, she has joined the heifers, and hopefully, will teach them some manners. Mm. Okay, so you've got th- you have got three, three. then. Yeah. Back all, to three, yeah, all Angus. What? So what? Yeah, the two. They're actually they're actually pedigree Angus and fun- the the two heifers, which I hadn't intended for mm-hmm. at all. And funnily enough, the the their sire because I've got the pedigrees with them. I'm sort of pouring over them, not not going to the pedigree Angus side of things at all, but the Bull was born on the farm where they, I believe, was born on the farm where I got them from, but he was an embryo from New Zealand. Oh. There we go. So there you uh, go. Interesting. And you don't plan to go down the pedigree? Is this Not just for plan. commercial cattle? So, so Put them, cross them with what? Cross keep them, them so, so we're going to AI them. This uh, Where they, they are, they're basically bed and breakfasting at my girlfriend's family place. They, they're they like specialist cattle feeders. They've got all the equipment, all the handling facilities. It's, you know, couldn't be better. Um uh, so I'll pay them a set daily rate or whatever, and yeah, it's while they're in over the autumn, uh, sort of eighteen months old now. Um, I'll AI them so we, it's a service we run in house as the vets. So nice thing is I can sort of line them up with the with their hormones, and then my colleague Jack comes and AIs them. So hopefully AI them to Hereford and get like a nice black baldy, which is a rotational cross between allegedly the most popular beef cow in the world, black baldy. Right. Okay. A Hereford like, out of uh, Angus, and then you just crisscross them. So, like, if they went to the if they if they had an Angus sire, they'd go to Hereford and vice versa. Right, and is that like its own breed? It's kind of, it's a recognised cross, like a bit like a mule, you know. But right, okay, but like it's stabilisers and all these things. Kind kind of yeah yeah yeah. So so very popular in places like Argentina, States, Canada, Australia, because it's two sort of similarish breeds, easy fleshing. Easy carving, hopefully, and yeah. And, and what you think you're getting like hybrid vigor or something by yeah, crossing? Yeah, that's the idea. Or? And then and then either sell them as as in calf. Well, it depends. Just just what depends on what which way the cattle market is going. So if I can make a good trade on them as in calf heifers or heifers with calves at foot, brilliant. Um, if the cattle market takes a nosedive, then I've got an idea to do like a once bred heifer program. So the idea is, you know, 
beef cattle really are the worst business model of anything in farming as far as I can tell so they are highly capital intensive um, you need a lot of kit for them slow to turnover um, difficult to capture value mm-hmm. but um, again hopefully by basically renting everything I need cutting out the capital costs um, like I don't have a stock trailer I don't really have I've only got a truck for work um, using all the handling gear that Ollie and Fraser like you know where they are Um Basically, I'll try and get a calf out of them mm-hmm. and then sell them direct. So sell them like beef okay. boxes. So that way you can do like a, you sort of get double dip, if you like. So you get, you almost finish them and get a calf on the way. Okay. We could be sitting here in a year or whatever, and that could all have been a disaster. <laughs> but I got that, bored, you know. That's farming, yeah. That's, well, so mm. I just got bored, you know. And the other thing is, um, I will definitely learn something in the process. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. as yeah. a vet, I spend a lot of my time sort of, not advising, suggesting things to farmers, and there's a lot to be said. I think even just from it's going to be some very extent, expensive training for me. Yeah. But that's okay. It'll well, be fun. That, that's a big advantage. We use Armour vets, Alan Walker. Yeah, Armour, and you know, one great thing with Alan is he's, he's farming as well. Yeah, you know, so it's mm-hmm. it's, it's something. It could be something as innocuous as uh, a vaccine gun that doesn't work very well. Yeah, you know, like yeah. if we're selling a product. For example, or you know, it's a vaccine wormer trace element thing, and it's you know, it might, we might think, oh, this is the best thing ever. You know, we know it works well, but if it's got a really wonky piece of kit, you have to use it. You know, something just like that. Uh, you get, you don't find that out if you're just dispensing it over a counter. Whereas yeah. if you're using it, yeah, you know, you find out. Did you ever think about going into small animal? Uh, yeah. So, so I like a lot of people. When I got to vet school, my main focus had been getting it on getting into vet school mm-hmm. so I sort of got there and thought oh hang on took a breath and then I hadn't really decided what I was going to do because this is a long course for me it was six years it's a long course it's got a long time to decide what you're going to do but it was my first placement which was lambing before I met Cammy up in Northumberland and I had a really good time lambing and from then on really I was pretty set on being a farm vet because I quite and, and I, the more I did the more it confirmed that I wanted to do that I love dogs and cats but not working in a small animal practice for me, for me. Although in New Zealand, it's quite interesting that they sold a lot of dog food out of the practice and there's great studies on working dogs. Some really interesting like um, research on working dogs in New Zealand because they have lots. I mean, the second day there, I think we went and bled 350 ram lambs for a disease called Beovis. Uh, but we also vaccinated 90 dogs on the one station. <laughs> Something like that, you know, yeah, it yeah. was a lot. So... That, it was almost like herd health, but for dogs. Mm-hmm. So some really interesting work on, you know, most uh, dogs in South Island, New Zealand, don't live in insulated kennels. Whereas in the wild, they would sort of pile on top of each other, keep each other warm in the, you know, imagine how cold it gets in those kennels. Yeah. yeah. In, in, in South Scotland and North England. Um, and, and when you put people place pedometers on them overnight, it shows they spend a lot of time shivering or, walk, you know, walking around to keep warm. And you think, from a welfare point of view, it's probably not brilliant. Um, but also from a recovery, you know, this is hard-working animals. You want to get the best out of them. Um, it, it's probably not great for their recovery. You know, if you spent all night shivering, yeah, like trying to, you know, yeah. we've all been there, you know, camping all day, whatever. Uh, you don't feel great the next day. No. Not great for recovery. No, and, and keeping weight on. They lose a yeah. lot of weight. And they're lean dogs anyway. They've often not got decent coats no on them. No good fat cover. Yeah, yeah. And they, yeah exactly. So, so it's really interesting work. I, so I enjoy, I, I love the biology of it, but it, the realities of small animal practice mm-hmm. for me didn't do it for me. So dogs, yeah, really interesting, but the 
like I said, the sheep, there were some still some sheep farmers where we were, and they were really the stubborn ones who'd held out and not become dairy farmers. Um, and a lot of what they did, I actually, it was not as far away from British sheep farming as I thought it would be. Basically, you know, most went out on a couple lambing beats during lambing time, you know, not five times a day or whatever, but the mm. sheep were sort of sensible enough, sensible type that they wouldn't need mm -hmm. that. You, you would upset them more by going around too often. Um, but um, one issue that transpired over the year I was there was massive wormer resistance. Mm. So... I've heard about this. Yeah. Sometimes I bring it up when I get slaggings from uh, yeah, Kiwi farmers about but how much better they are than us. I, and a lot of things they do, I'm, absolutely, they're better than us. And, and I think it's fantastic. And I love the Kiwi systems, mm. to be honest with you, especially as a sheep farmer. But I, it's not I perfect. Do, no, I do, and I do quite like bringing up the worm issue. And, and you know what? I, I didn't come across many Kiwi farmers who would put themselves on a pedestal. I think perhaps sometimes the issue is, is British farmers because... Who, who, who are doing great stuff and using the Kiwis for, as their inspiration and then they put them on this pedestal and there are things that wouldn't fit our system or, or, or are coming back to bite them, you know? Mm -hmm. So, for example, so the wormer thing. So, you know, uh, very simply put, the Kiwis, uh, and this would be veterinary advice as well. This is not on the farmers necessarily. Um, they, they're often running higher stocking rates. They've got a lot of sheep within a given area. They're pushing things reasonably hard, you know, using reasonable amounts of fertilizer to grow plenty of good grass, keep sheep in good nick, keep lambs growing. Um, and they're often dosing, or, ha you know, farmers I was working with were in the habit of dosing their lambs every 28 days. Um, although they were getting out of that for a couple of reasons, you know, this suppressive worming regime would be the jargon. Mm -hmm. um, and and even for those of you who aren't involved in like farming or vetting or anything like that, you can imagine if you're exposing um, a bug, in this case, a, like a gut worm um, to a substance, you know, substance that's meant to kill it repeatedly, mm -hmm. eventually you're just going to be left with the ones who, you know, that small percentage of the of the population who are resistant to that. Mm -hmm. and, and the more you expose them, the more you, the harder selection pressure you're going to be putting on them and so if you do that infinitely for years it's well, going to be a great recipe for resistance yeah i mean the, the amount i've learned from the team at alanco since like i started doing you know the youtube and, and asking right. reasons why we do stuff so that i can explain it to people it's unbelievable like even that leaving like your 10 percent biggest lambs yeah when you're doing your clear wormer like it makes so much sense to me you've got your sheep flock then you've got your worm, worm flock mm. you want to keep one strong and keep one week yeah and the way to keep that one week is to leave don't try and kill all the worms because you'll, ne you'll never get them all okay like Zolvix and that might wipe them out but let's take your clear wormer for example and you're using that where there is still a bit of resistance about and mm -hmm. the potential's there leave your top your, your biggest 10% of lambs that are probably managing them quite well and have low worm burden anyway and they'll keep the, the weak worms coming out to, yeah, yeah. to, to sort of mix with any resistant worms to keep a half and half they do a great diagram about it so you're, you're leaving yeah. yourself with a half and a half yeah. resistant which you, you know you're when you then do a zolvix or whatever or even potentially another clear wormer it should kill that half and half so it wipes the slate clean if you like yeah in this country it does anyway thankfully yeah. but yeah, yeah. totally mm -hmm. and it's and, and and it's not on like we're saying you know it's so easy to, with hindsight to say oh what stupid what stupid system you know, why, why, it's so yeah. obvious. Everything's obvious in hindsight, right? But one thing I will say, it's a really simple system to stick a note in the calendar every 28 days and say, right, we'll worm them on this day. Mm -hmm. the yeah, lambs, yeah. While the worm is working, it it will work. You know, the lambs will do brilliantly. Mm -hmm. um, not as brilliantly as if they're on to clean grazing, but definitely much better than if you're not drenching them at all. Um, and, and and to be fair, in, in New Zealand, what they have done is sort of 
combo their way out of it. So it's, it was quite unusual for farmers, sheep farmers or cattle farmers to use you know a single active. So you've got those three common groups. The, the oldest one was the whites. Um, then you've got your yellows and then your clears. So it's quite uncommon, virtually unheard of to in, at least amongst our farmers to use a, a single active they'd use a combo so it'd either be a dual active which would be two of the groups or even better a triple active and by using that cocktail mm-hmm. you're sort of knocking out more of the worms so if there's you know if you've got a population of worms within a sheep some are resistant to you know clears and some are resistant to, to yellows then you're sort of not you're covering all bases mm-hmm. um except for the fact that worms can become resistant to all three of the above and um there was a reasonable amount of that triple resistance, like we call it. Um, and and when and that year I was over there, it all sort of came to a head for two reasons. One, because there was a product called Bionic Capsule, which is like a pre-lamming, um, slow-release bolus of wormer um, for the use that they'd use to... Um, base, a, a similar, if anyone's used Cydectin in LA, it's sort of like a pre-lamming, worming dose to stop the use contaminating the pasture for the lambs. Those came off the market. So yeah, the, the boluses came off the market and um, for a couple of different reasons. Um, and there was a real big supply issue with the novel, so that's your Zolvix um, and your StarTech, like the, the newer products mm-hmm. to which there's much less resistance. And that those two things combined with the fact that they had been using them pretty gung-ho the other the other drenches. They've been, you know, again the vets I was talking about this earlier, perhaps slightly um complicit you know wormers went out the door in 25 litre drums mm-hmm. uh, there's some great promotions like i've never seen wormers sold with tvs or with christmas hams <laughs> uh you know that's class. great marketing I great i mean true? yeah farmers love it it's like, bro brilliant where's my ham or you're like swan dry <laughs> you know they get you know there had to be a ham in the fridge at christmas time this it, there will be fridges in veterinary practices in new zealand now this time of year full of hams why to, to give up prom- so you buy you buy the one more you buy and a, get a free ham yeah Big ham. Why ham? Because uh, it's Christmas time. I, uh, but it could be ham. Yeah, it was, could be a telly. Ham. Could be a. Yeah, that's a thing. Could be yeah. a, like a nice swan dry overtop. You know, nice, nice stuff and great yeah. marketing. Um, so yeah, the vets uh, and I, I can include myself you know, as part of a professional fraternity. Uh, not absolved entirely of that. Um, so those two things came to head, and as a result, we had a lot of people scratching their heads. Um, and thinking, right, we actually need to get a feel for what our status is. You know, every flock's different. Do we have a lot of resistance or are we just worrying about nothing? Yeah. And so a lot of my summer was spent pouring over reports and, and doing a bit of this. So you, you run a whole batch of lambs in, you know, it'd be a thousand lambs or something. You, you you pull off 15 or 10 groups of 15, say, and test eight to 10 different drenches. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'd come back two weeks later, resample them for worms. So you so take a baseline dung sample from each group, get a composite, get a number and you'd see how much after two weeks that had reduced the number of worms and and long or short it was there was um a lot of resistance even to the combination products um which was not good uh for obvious reasons and so that's all sort of come to a head and they're gonna have to start looking at basic non-chemical means of controlling worms so whether that is combined you know combined grazing with cattle a lot of these farms have cleared cattle off because guess what beef cattle often don't make much money compared to sheep um, they're going to, you know, in- integrate more crops, but you know whether that's a, a cash crop like a cereal or like a forage crop like a plantain or a chicory or something. Mm-hmm. Those things are all pretty expensive to put in, and, and often it, again adds more complexity to the whole farm system. Um, genetics is another one in the future that probably will come in, but it's going to take a while for that genetic gain to it, happen. Exlana's working big on that. Yeah, Exlana's Romney's cleans to some extent, I think. Um, but yeah, so well, you think that actual breed is is, is better resistance? 
You mean, sorry? When you mention Romneys and Clinton, you just mean they are working I on think, it? I think the breed societies are taking yeah, the, okay. the, the initiative, yeah, and trying yep. to do some genomics and, and just selecting for... And, and then you, you can go, I mean, it's going to bore most people, but as a vet, you can go down all sorts of rabbit warrens about, you know, what's resistance versus resilience versus tolerance. Those are all things of slightly different mm-hmm. um, meanings. But but the, you can breed a sheep that will do well in the face of a high worm burden. Um, but there'd been no interest in that, as far as I could tell. In a, with a lot of our farmers, there were obviously some exceptions. Yeah. Um, and they were sort of laughing when all this was coming off, but you know, they're sort of vindicated or felt vindicated. Um, so that'll be a really interesting thing to, to follow. Like I said, they're dynamic and I mean that in a positive way. Yes, so I've, I got feel like that- I've got it now. Have you? Yeah, dynamic. Robbie, I, yeah, I see. Define dynamic. It means it positive. It means they're forward thinking, fast moving, I adapt, you know, I've, adapt to change. Yeah, I um, would say so. Yeah, and, and they'll be progressive. Yeah. I, I understand now. And, and on that note, I think that'd be a good time to take a quick break while we get a word from our sponsors. So CF Moto, and as many of you probably already know, I've been a CF Moto brand ambassador for a few years now, and I can definitely testify to the quality and capability of both the ETVs and UTVs. Their vehicles are fully loaded with specs, including a winch and tow bar as standard, and all agricultural vehicles come with a free ATV track worth £399 plus 0% finance for businesses. When was the last time you had a winch? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a Scottish joke isn't it that doesn't transfer that's no. an element to Google what do you does know winch, winch mean winch in Ireland means shift oh no is it what winch what does shift mean it, no sorry I've got them round the wrong way shift in Ireland means winch sorry never mind I had a funny story but that, anyway back yeah. to the sorry sorry <laughs> and, and just to confirm you mean winch as in kiss yeah like shift means winch as in kiss okay that's interesting in, in Ireland some Irish culture yeah. we're just we're off on a tangent but Winch means kiss in Scotland, mm-hmm. but like a, a passionate kiss. That, yeah. that was a joke. When did you last have a winch? Anyway, every every CF <laughs> moto comes with a winch, so make sure you have an attractive dealer. <laughs> I can honestly say that you won't regret the switch to CF moto, and your accountant will love you for it too. They have a large network of dealers across the UK and Ireland. Use the dealer locator on cfmoto.co.uk to find your local dealer. And speaking of local dealers again, I've been speaking to my local dealer now with a new child on the way. We might need to go to the six-seater buggy oh, next year. So. Big move. Yeah, he's, I'm, I'm worried about the fuel mm. issue as well, but we do have the we have a CF Moto bike as well that we bought secondhand from John Murray. So, yeah, we've got the options. Yeah. You know, if it's a single-parent job, we can take the bike. If it's a family of five job, we can take... I know, stop it, stop it. Anyway, thanks very much to CF Moto for sponsoring the podcast. Let's get back to Kaz. I've got this weird rash on my finger. It started on Friday and then my hands are swollen. What were you doing? I know, that's what cleared at work, but I don't think it is, or... What, what were you doing on Friday? This is podcast chat, we should talk about this. Yeah, mm. I don't know, I was helping Dad. He was um, AIing on... Wednesday I was helping him right so I was and, working and with sheep and now you've got this rash in your mm-hmm. ring and I take my ring itchy. off a wee bit itchy I'm not a like, doctor but no you're not a vet barely even a vet point point in case with three cows become two within a month <laughs> yeah. no, no on you go Kaz what, what could this be oh, no, I mean, it's not a video podcast yet but it will no. be eventually like, so it's like red and raised is, for, for the listeners is it yeah. scabby no it's not scabby no okay so Things you can catch from sheep off is one. I think it'd be pretty painful and blistering. Painful. Would you get off this Although time I do, of year? I no, well, that's it. You'd have. You'd be unlucky to. Yeah, 
You'd be on that. Normally, it's have, uh, pet have, lambs is normally the culprit. Yeah. I got hand, foot, and mouth last year. Did you? Do you remember it was a kid's thing? I, I know. Got it from my niece. Nice. My from niece's a had it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And then I got it. Right. There's the blisters on my feet. It was so sore. No. Right. Mm. I don't even know human adults could get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got chicken pox maybe three years ago. Did you? I, but you Morning never had it before. Free show. Had you never had it before? Mum, mum said I had had it when I was younger. But mm. and you got it twice because you're said, a bad But run. she said when I got it, it was like only a few spots. So, like when I was a wee, so yeah. it maybe yeah. just wasn't chicken pox. Yeah. Didn't get a good enough hit. No. So right, okay. So you've a chicken pox. Now you've got this. Aye. Could be ringworm. It's another thing being catch off. Oh, that's off. sexy. Yeah, ringworm. Ringworm, yeah. nice. Yeah, it's on my bucket I'll put list. that in my Tinder profile. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-seven. Currently, currently have ringworm. Come and see it. <laughs> well, sure. Who knows? Could be a red herring. But that is it. Get you onto my third espresso. You'll see it. <laughs> we'll whip it out. Um, does it go right up your arm, or is it just on your hand? No, just fingers. Not even on the palm. Did you put your fingers in anything? Like, like no, but I mean, chem- I mean chemicals. My God. <laughs> My God! I bet the courtroom cars. Yeah, honestly, those those Oxford boys, <laughs> Cambridge, Cambridge, Cambridge. Sorry, sorry Cambridge. Right. Oh Jesus! Is it Cambridge son. you're from? No, no, no I went, went to Cambridge. Did you? Yeah. What was that like? Very good. Good. Did, did they have like? Did Did you see the recent thing about drama schools and making them do initiations and uh, get <gasps> naked in classroom and crazy, crazy oh, stuff? See, no, I did. That. Did Did you have to do any of that stuff? No, you know what? It was all there was a big backlash. So my six years there it was probably. That was yeah. That's what hazing was going out of fashion. Right. What's if hazing? Anything, like the old boys. A bit American time for that. Yeah. Like, like David Cameron, the pig. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Had to. Oh, guys, I'm still not with you. Oh, do you not watch Black Mirror? No. Oh. You don't know the story about David Cameron and the pig? <laughs> no. That was the Piers Gaveston Society in Oxford, I think. So one of these gentlemen's dining society students, and yeah. uh-huh. part of the initiation is, I believe, he had to basically. He has a, a pad of pig's head and he had to stick his gentleman parts in it. Oh, come on. I know. That, no. Well, that, that is optional. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, I, I, I was never that popular. I never got to, never got to that point. No, Initiation? I, I was never is that, allowed. So is that an actual thing? But those ha- do oh, happen. There was an article I in the news recently about all this crazy, crazy stuff that they make you do at these, these schools. Really? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was falling out of favour. I mean, it's all, it all go in cycles, won't it? But I was, it was that sort of thing was falling out of favour when I was there. Was it still happening? Like, did yeah, you still I mean, know? Not, not that, but not not as dramatic as that. But you know, eating cat food and being sick into a lilo and stuff like that. You know, being sick old, into a lilo. You know, if, after eating the cat after, food. Yeah, 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 and copious beer. It wasn't that bad. You know, it was just. Is this like fraternities? Did you have of, a fraternity? Yeah, yeah, sporting society. Are you being sick like through the wee blow up thing in the lilo? No, it, as in they lay down the, I say lilo, I mean like a, a big paddling pool for you to be sick into when you are sick. And then what do you do? Get in it? Get in no, it? No, 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 it's just, a, it's just to keep the room clean. <laughs> oh my God, that's so Cambridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, oh no, we're going to make you eat cat food bad. I'm going to go mental, but don't get it on the carpet. <laughs> <laughs> Effectively, yeah. That's, that's class. I love these stuff. This is how I like it. Was, I mean, it was nothing, nothing mad. No, no just, just drinking and eating silly things. good that you're going to put in your book that you could share with us just now. Ah, uh, no, I'll save it for the book. Yes, yeah, are you writing a book? No, <laughs> no, one day, one day, oh, well, because Kaz is going to be a top vet in the UK someday. I will see. And yeah, he will. He I'll will. preside over the next crisis slash scandal. Yeah. Okay. He's he's the man. He's going places. Is he? Yeah. Not just because of this podcast, no. but just in general. Would you write a book? <sighs> I probably would. 
Do you know why I would? Ghostwritten. Just, no, I'd have to do it myself, I think. Although, well, it depends, but um, I would because you look at the people that are writing books. Aye. Like, what stories can they have? But do you, I just think, right, see. I would just tell police stories. That's a good one. Do you ever read the boys' children's books? Yeah. That is an easy market. Oh, we've got two books done. That's a that's a worldwide exclusive. Uh, almost done. The artwork's getting finished, but um, for sheep game, yeah. Would so it was you? supposed to be out for this Christmas. It's not. But Al's cousin um, and his partner Louise have have helped me with uh, uh, two good stories. Oh, one, one of them's like it's really good. It's uh, I'm spoiling that a wee. I'm not really spoiling it. It's exciting for me. I'm, I'm excited. To read it. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just <laughs> right, it's right on your level. Um, <laughs> um, so it's about this dynamic sheep farmer. <laughs> Oh, I love a callback. Um, so, no, basically, it's, the first story is uh, Meg and I go to the field to check the sheep and mm-hmm. they're not there. So, mm-hmm. it's like a fun story that adults will like too because it's like, oh, typical sheep. And then it's like, there's a hole in the fence and then it's like us looking for the sheep. Oh, fun. Yeah, and it's just fun. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, like and so, like, we're looking in the woods for the sheep and we can't see them, but there's a wee head poking out. So, that hopefully, the kids will be looking at it going, oh, there, there's yeah, the sheep yeah. there. But it's yeah. like, Cammy can't see her. See and then there's like one, um, I don't know if we're going to use this bit, but there's one where it's like, we, we see somebody in a, like a big trench coat. And I'm like, excuse me, have you seen any sheep? And it's obviously the sheep. Oh, like, funny. Two up in the trench coat. Yeah. You know, just a bit of fun. Absolutely. Very Can good. I say something just for the Absolutely. listeners? See, when you're saying Al's cousins, it's just to make it clear it's not somebody calls Al's sees cousin. Because that's what I thought originally. Yeah, no, so Al's cousin's designs. Check him on Facebook. He's an absolute legend. He's artwork. But and it's stuff. not his cousin. Because see, when you were saying that you went and Al's cousin. Oh, went. sorry, Al's, Al's cousin. Not yet. Like, I thought you meant a cousin. It's just that the name Al. Is his name Alistair? Yeah. Why is it Al's? I know. I know. This means. Oh, yeah. Well, it was either that or Stair. <laughs> <laughs> Would be better. <laughs> no, but the Al's thing, and I've spoke to him about this, you know. He's rebrand. Uh, he's from Old Money. Oh, um, I think, I think I there's something in that, you know. He's an artist from Old Money. So I think it's. it's right. It's, it's like, Again, <laughs> what does that mean? From Old Money? Old Money. Old Money's like. You know, hereditary. You know, like his parents well, were rich, and probably theirs again. Right. Yeah. I'm just making all this up now, but and, and just to wind them up because I know you'll listen to this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's mostly this is this is a oh, take this with a pinch of salt. All these things I'm saying, but yeah, old money is like it's he, like inherited hereditary money. wealth. Yeah, yeah. inherited money. Yeah, generations right, you okay. could say generational yeah, yeah, yeah. wealth maybe would be the right term. Mm-hmm. Whereas can um, be new money. <laughs> <laughs> And it absolutely would be yeah absolutely would be I'm from a, a long line of poor people um, what about you Iona is your, how long has your family farmed at Chris Flat so Papa moved there when he was 17 okay so it's just like a couple um, of generations yeah okay but no it was his aunt had it before mm. him right okay so it was in the family so it was in the family yeah yeah okay how many gener- How many years in the in no the- idea in the Murray family. Don't know, it was Charles Houtson that had it before. He was quite famous apparently in the area. Okay, what for? I think I don't I, I don't know. Dad would be dad'll be screaming at me right now because yeah. he's told me so many times. Yeah. That's um, okay, but it's something to look into. Friends with Robert Burns. Was he? Mm. It's one of those ones but after Tamashanter came out, everybody's like, That's my mate. Yeah, I actually just saw him drinking in the pub one night. You know, they, they just were in uh, Pussy Nancy's together. Um, and, and, and like, oh, aye, mate. You learned Thomas Hunter, did you not? Yeah, yeah. Well, I know, I know yeah. a few Burns uh, poems. We'll, we'll do a Burns special okay. for. Okay, I know uh, two Mountain Daisy. Do you? Mm. There we go. We could, yeah, we could start off with a nice Burns. Very good. Uh, yeah. Do you know who Robert Burns is, Kaz? I know who he is. Of course you do. Absolutely. My mum's my, my family is from this part of the world. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or not. Like there were there's about eight light keepers on Elsa Craig, apparently. On Elsa Craig? I know. It must have been like What do you mean eight members of your family or there was like, eight? They, like not all at once, but like For anyone, there's no Elsa Craig is where all the curling stones in the world are certainly all the granite no go big go big Cammy. for the curling stones the in the world <laughs> in, in the universe the world. In, the, in the world in the world <laughs> space girl space ghetto <laughs> poyum um, poyum uh, so yes all the granite yeah. are certainly all the ones used in the Olympics in the Winter Olympics and the, the world Can champs we go backtrack go big every all, single one every single curling stone you ever see came from Ailsa Craig <sighs> and also Ailsa Craig's just like a big rock I didn't know him they actually yeah. lived there yeah, no, but not any, not manned anymore. No, no, but what I'm talking like, was, yeah, I'm not yeah. sort of like so so I, I, it was eight or half a dozen of like going back a few generations. They were the that must have been a family profession to be lighthouse keepers. Bizarre, super social people, obviously. Mm. So well, there you go. I mean, slightly off topic, but see if somebody said to you, "Oh, I'll meet you at the back of three, What would that mean to you? <laughs> the back of three? Yeah. Uh, after three. What would you say? Hey. Well, see, from a sharing point of view, now, James Andrew, who you know well, uh-huh. he taught me a valuable lesson. When you're giving someone a time, never say 12. Say the back of 12, and then you can't be late. Yeah, I'll see you after three. Yeah, well, if, yeah you know, Why if you can't say, you be late if you see, see the back the, of 12? Because there's 12 oh, hours after the back of 12. That's the thing I'll see you in okay. the afternoon, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See you after lunch. Lunch could be 12 o'clock, it could be 2 o'clock. Yeah. Exactly. I'll be there at lunchtime. I'll be there about lunch. Yeah, I'll be there about lunch. And then if they say it, you know, if they, <laughs> if they come on and give you a dig, and it's like, mate, I'm shearing sheep here, I've not even had my lunch yet. Like, you're, <laughs> you, don't know how, I, you, don't, you don't know how lucky you are if you've you're there at lunch already. <laughs> my God, I, I, I wish I could be you for a day. Then you like, get into your four Yorkshireman sketch. Have you seen that? Um, four Yorkshireman Monty Python famous sketch? I need to show you that. Oh, that's so good. Like, when, I, the, when we were growing up, end. I was so poor, we lived in a septic tank. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a competition to see who the poorest was. Oh, okay. Well, they're coughing champagne me. as well. Okay. But but how... Yeah, well, they're sitting there now they've made it. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Started from nothing, I did. And uh, what is the back of three to you? The back of three is between three and quarter past. Oh, so it's a very specific quarter of an hour. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest, I would say quarter past is back of three. But like somebody, in my head, when I say back of three, I mean quarter, quarter past. past. But somebody, one of my friends always thinks it's before the hour, but they're English, and I wondered if I, in I, England it was different. I can't, I'm not very familiar with that term, to be honest. They're Are probably just confused, I So suspect. back of three isn't a thing in England? don't think so. But that doesn't make any sense. What oh, doesn't? Back of three being before three. <laughs> no, sorry, before four. So they would say oh. the back of oh, four would hour. be like, the back of three would be like ten to four. Ah, right, okay, so, okay. Yeah. Well, it could be. Yeah, well, that's a good defence I'm going to use in future. So, don't you know that in England, <laughs> in England, I would be early right now, okay? It's still 22. That's right. If you're going to be late, you're going to be late, basically. Yeah. You know? yeah, I'm terrible for being late, but it's not, my, it's not my fault. It's just like, it's hard, you know, hard to predict how long you're going to be when you're doing jobs, like scanning and shearing mm. and stuff. It's just mm. a nightmare to try and... Hanging around, waiting for stuff. Oh, like I try and get away. I, I, I never... If I can avoid it, scanning you do five, six jobs a day if, at times, but like with shearing, I try and never do more than three jobs a day because that's the big thing is, is the yeah. going, going back to New Zealand because I've been to New Zealand, you know. Have you? The, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. They, they got a lot sh- of stuff done, but they've never felt like heroics. Like they weren't really into that sort of, you know, again, going to the pub, doing the four Yorkshireman thing, like, oh God, just tell you what I've done today. Yeah. Like they just got it done, um, but partly it was, it was a setup. So like there were vets um, I was working with who were scanning a thousand cows in a day. Wow. For, yeah, pra- yeah. for reference, we've got about 6,000 beef cows in 
our little practice. Mm. It's a much bigger practice, granted, but um, just because they would use a rotary polish, you know, it's like those are like those uh, merry-go-round sort of mm. milk polish yeah. you see, and they just stand, stand on one stand, spot, yeah, and, and in and out. And you'd use the same thing for like putting cedars in, which is those like prids, you know. Um, just yep. releasing devices right on sponges um, you could for beef cows they'd be leaning over and scanning them like in the race you just rather than get every animal into a crush you just load a race full of 10 lean over do them you could jag them mm-hmm. uh, you know put pour on on them whatever you needed to do you could do it quickly mm-hmm. uh, same with the, the, the loads of like young technicians so vet techs um, who would be doing like the more routine jobs like disbudding or drying off you know putting the intramammaries in and they the, the rate at which they did I mean, we went with a team, and it was a big team. We dried off eight hundred cows in three hours or something. Mm-hmm. But it never, we never felt yeah. like it was stressful. Like oh, because they tend to put everything once. Shearing's a great example as well. They bring the sheep to the shear to the to wool the shed. shed. Yeah, yeah. And and it's all undercover. You've got you've got a cat. You know, you're, yeah, exactly. Yeah, catching the toilets, mm-hmm. showers. Rather than running between, <laughs> I've spoken to quite a few Kiwi shearers who've been to the UK and, and done the Kiwi, and they sorry done the the sort of trailer thing. And they weren't big fans of it, to be honest. No, I can kind of see why. Yeah. Yeah. Did, you, did you have a Ferg burger? I did. I had a couple of Ferg burgers. Yeah, we like Queenstown. What did you feel about them? Everyone was like, I think the problem is, it's got that massive cute... Don't worry, Cam, we'll explain in a second. Yeah. <laughs> Cam, are you still here? <laughs> Ferg burger is like one of those... It's in Queenstown, uh, which is like a, a quite trendy ski town in New Zealand, um, about a couple of hours away from where I was. He's uh, very easy to go up for the weekend or whatever. And um, it's a really just famous uh, burger joint, you know, not nothing too special. It's called Ferg. Ferg, Ferg which is, but I think the, the originator must have been called Fergie or Ferguson or something. Yeah, okay. Ferg yeah, yeah. Burger. Um, and Ferga. There you go. I'll raise it with them. <laughs> <laughs> and the queues outside it from, you know, it's open all day pretty much. The queues outside it are uh, massive. Like all, all the time. All the way down the street. All the time, from breakfast to dinner, Why to the middle of the night. Like so much hype. But I think it looks good, doesn't it? Part it's of good. the charm, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, like, but it's become a thing, you know, it's become a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's good, but it's like... It was great. And I think the problem is, if you hype it up too much, too much, then it's disappointing. But I never... There's a limit I, how good a burger can be. Yeah, and they were probably at the top of the limit. They were great. Mm-hmm. But if you decide your life's going to change because of a beef burger, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. So yeah, good I point. highly recommend Ferg Burger. In Did, Queenstown. Would you go to New Zealand? I might be going to New Zealand next year, actually. The Paris try to get me to go. Um, Where is Paris based? In Eden? Pass on that. Pass. I should know. Omaru? That sounds more like it. Yeah. Um, so the southwest coast, yeah. Passo. That might be me making I that think up. I, I think, Somebody I'm was sure screaming at the podcast listening. I'll search. Yeah. 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 Iona's going to look at Jamie. I, I just think... Yeah, I, I mean, I love to go, love mm. to go. It's just I don't really. Want, it's a tricky one, and I've said this to them, and they're all on board. It's like it's a bit awkward for me going without Lizzie and the fam. Yeah, I, and we can't really go with Lizzie and the kids just now. They're so young, and yeah. Or is this the time to go when they are so young? Somebody else said that it's easier to fly with them. Like yeah. that, but I, I just, I think. I mean, How long would you go? With for? Too many sheep as well. Like it's, mm. it's too much work on here. I, I, I said to them if we went to go, and they, they'd a, a show in mind. So I said if we were to go and do that, let's go and. Let's make it a proper work trip, mm. mm-hmm. and I'll just come for a week, and we'll, and we'll blast that. It'd be great for me. I'd love to go. Love yeah. to go to New Zealand. It's on the. It's one of those ones where it's like, I want you know, I really want to go there. But if yeah. I'm going to go, I want to make it special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm kind of worried. You know, it's like if you just go for a week, 
It's like you've been to New Zealand, but you've not really been to New Zealand. But then I often say when people say that about how long you can go for, it's better than not going at all. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I can accept it's that. It's Omaru, by the way. Omaru, yeah. Omaru, right enough, yeah. But a lot of the places, I mean, again, I was saying this before, it, the bit where we was in, especially the south of the South Island, is basically Scotland 2.0. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. go, driving through places like Clyde or Stirling or Roxburgh or Ettrick or Harriet, like it's bizarre. Drunning yeah. Muirkirk. <laughs> my, my, my new um, aspiration, life goal, one of my life goals is to get some sheep farmers from Kelso, New Zealand and take them to Kelso Topsail and see oh, what yeah. their reactions yeah. are. Okay, yeah, see how big Kelso is here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Look at the tops. Yeah, no, they're, they're, yeah, it's on the list. It might go February. Again, scanning's a big thing as well. With a lot of scanning mm-hmm. on and all that to do, but uh, hey, we'll see what happens. We'll see. Mm-hmm. It might happen. It might not. Scanning? Are you into the scanning? Did a day, a half day yesterday. Be honest. Do you, the scanning. Do you see yourself? Because you can tell shearing is like your love. Mm-hmm. Scanning, you can I sort of see it on your face. It's not your no, and I totally get it. Mm. It's never appealed to me. You're sitting in a cold box. Yeah, it's not scanning in the dark. The, the money in scanning is mental. Yeah, like it's amazing. You, you know, a lot of days you're making a thousand pounds a day. Like, you know, that's not every day, but there mm. are days like that, and especially the big guns we're making that a day. You know, the guys with the big, the, the nice jobs mm. that they hold on to, and scanning's hard to get into because unlike shearing, there's not many shearers go past thirty five. Mm. Whereas with scanners, you yeah. can scan to your seventy. Because yeah. you're just sitting down doing nothing. Like, you know, as long as your wrist is okay and your shoulder, you're just sitting there like all day. And, a, and a, it's a cold box, it's boring. It, it, I just sit and listen to audiobooks and podcasts. Mm. And you get a bit of chat when you arrive in the farm, you'll make the odd joke as you go. But, you know, by the 20th day in a row or whatever, and yeah, everything's boring. mucky and wet. And, yeah, it gets pretty old. You, it? We can't, the other thing was, there's no testosterone in scanning. Like, I, I love shearing for the testosterone. Yeah, yeah, What do you mean there's no testosterone in scanning? Like yeah. you, you, can't, you can't be the alpha male when, you, when you're scanning. <laughs> Why is that the goal? No, that's that's the best thing about shearing. Why? Because you, you want to be the alpha? But it's just a natural human instinct. It's not human. I think it's a natural... Male instinct. X chromosome. Y chromosome. Y chromosome. Y chromosome. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm, I'm XY as they come. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what? I am wow. a he him to, uh, <laughs> no it, the, the shearing is, is it is such a a macho like come up and every day you go on that board so say I'm in, I'm in macho mm. now generally speaking generally speaking I'll, I'll be the, the top shearer in macho but that you know that doesn't mean anything there's loads of guys can beat me but generally speaking but you've still got young guys like Davey Andrew there and Jock Welsh and, and these other young boys in Ayrshire that they're after you. Are they beating yeah. you now? No, no, not behave. But um, <laughs> no, but they're, they're after but you. That's and every day you, you, they're after you. But how will you feel when you're no longer and you the can, alpha? You can't say you can't go to your work and be like, "I'm gonna have an easy day today." Because mm. if you if you start that first hour a bit off the pace, they'll be like, "I've got them today," mm-hmm. and then they're, then they're coming for you. And it's 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 still about keeping the job right. Mm-hmm. You know, but we still make a great job despite all this competitiveness. Like you wouldn't be on my trailer if you didn't make a good job. And that's particularly with, with David and Jock and actually all the boys in Ayrshire, they make a bloody good job. They mm-hmm. come for you, but they don't yeah. sacrifice their job for it. Mm. And that's why, I, you know, I hate when people come and try and race you and just cut corners, you know, leave wool on and, and they don't do the job right. It's mm-hmm. That winds me up. Um, but no, I love the shearing. Oh. I think partly it is, there's more than one person there, surely. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, you know, yeah. just that. But it is just such a, for me, shearing is just, and it's such a, 
like if you're a sheep shearer and I talk about this all the time and part of the reason that I, that get, I had the confidence to do YouTube and social mm. media was mm. because I was a shearer so so people people can't come at you like oh you know everything in farming is about how tough you are so nobody can come at you look at this yeah. guy just messing about making videos and you know he's soft yeah. <laughs> do you think that's that's but, true do you think that's positive or not like do you think like you've talked about before you know especially if you're an ancient farmer you want to be known as the worker like you're hard you know yes you want yes. to be known as which is which is good like people have got to work hard but do you think that ends up becoming a means again talking about uk agriculture mm-hmm. people focus on working hard not necessarily working well, effectively smart. yeah well yeah. one big thing when that came to me renting ground and stuff yeah. being a shearer was a great thing because one they knew you're a hard worker yeah yeah Especially if you're and if you're a good shearer, and it's usually well known if you're a good shearer, you're a tidy yeah. shearer. That stands you in real good stead. So they know you're a hard worker too. They know you can afford it. Yeah, because you've got you can always back it up, shear some more sheep. Yeah, because you know shearers make a lot of money. There's no doubt about it. They work for it. Mm-hmm. You don't make as much money as scanners, but they, they make. So it. they work for it as well, though. Yeah, they? scanners. Oh, scanners do. Like it's it's easy, but it's mentally a real challenge. Like it really is. Yeah. Even getting home at night and you've. 10, 15 text messages and phone calls mm. and you've got to try and get it all booked in and sorted and that's partly my fault because I'm not organised enough like the are top you not, guys the top, you not organised? no I know imagine the top guys do the same farm the same date yeah. every year just copy and paste see you there or I might need to move you around a wee bit to squeeze something else in but it's the same every year whereas I'm just like text me near the time and then all of a sudden they all text me and I'm like oh we'll fit you in um, but no the scanning's great money I, I mean I can't give it up because we need it like, yeah, I absolutely need the money, and it's not. It's not that. It's not that I hate it. It's just but not as fun. You can definitely sense a difference. Like yeah. you watch those shearing videos, like you're buzzing about it, yeah. and then the scanning. Yeah. Again, it's it's also that time of year when then no, like the days are short and weather's rubbish. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. it. But uh, do you reckon that shearing's the best if you're in like in this country, like this part of the world? Do you think shearing is the best thing to be in? If say you were again in your shoes, no, no farm to inherit or whatever, but you're wanting to get sheep. Do you think? Because I was thinking shearer at fencer would be a pretty good one, eh? Fencer's very good to get into. Fencing would be great to get into. Shearing's, shearing is the best way yeah. into farming. Because, for example, I'll go on 30, 40 farms in the summer, mm. getting the crack of all the farmers. Mm-hmm. Like Initially, when I first started, I would let them know what I wanted to do. You know, I want to start farming, just hard to get ground. If you tell 30 farmers that, and you've made a cracking job of shearing their yeah. sheep, so you instantly have their respect. If they hear about a bit of ground, they think that boy that just came here and made it. a tidy job and was mm-hmm. respectful and was you know was good chat and it's just try to get on. I'll give him a wee phone and tell him. Yeah. And most of my ground has came from that. You know, people that I've either saw at the shearing or or yeah. met somewhere along the line from that and told them what I want to do. Two weeks later or a month or six months later, they hear about a bit of ground or they want to give up a bit of ground. They phone you and say, mm-hmm. "What about this bit?" Yeah. And and honestly, I've been so lucky that way. But shearing. Shuns away. Plus, you make a lot of money. Because yeah. it was interesting. Last New Zealand reference, promise. But the the new entry. If you want, there were lots of new entrants in New Zealand, but they yeah. were cheap. Oh, was mostly not dairy. Because yeah. to make them. Because you, if you have a look at the lamb prices, the lamb schedule in, in New Zealand versus here is is roughly half. You know, okay. slightly slightly better in out there and then half what you'd get per kilo of lamb. And I think just for that, you need the scale. You, you need big yeah, ring fence yeah. properties. Mm-hmm. You need massive scale, and so. You know, you can't tinker away with 50 or 100, mm. 200 ewes, even a, even a 1,000 ewes probably. 
So whereas with dairy, because it makes money, like going back, you can, if you get to 50 and you get really, or 40, and you're making good yeah. money milking cows, but you think, God, I'm sick of getting up at four o'clock in the morning. Like life's going to be better than this. You can go into some sort of profit share with some hungry young, obviously young couple, but could you know be a young individual. And there were, there were guys, again, talking about being, you know, one of our, the guys I was looking after, he was milking 600 cows. Um, between him and his wife, they had a courier business, a pub, a nursery, and he was looking for another herd to start milking. Wow. Um, so, but the, like you say, you don't, I think to, to become a contract milker, you just need basically your labor, um, a little bit of money to buy uh, a quad and maybe some dogs, probably not even that. Yeah. And you just get in there and you work flipping Cheesy hard. Hours. Yeah, 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 like yeah. You, do, you do the stuff that, you, you, you know, the 40, 50 year old, 60 year olds don't want to do, understandably. Yeah. But so that was, that was a difference there because I think there was something to be said for making profit and that sounds really trite, but. No, I always say like you know going down that food chain, dairy, dairy uh, dairy men or women, um, especially that are actually hands on doing the milkings, you know, up every day at your own time, uh, doing crazy hours every week, so tied to their job as well. Mm. Have to be such attention to detail. It is big attention. They deserve to you know bloody hard job, mm-hmm. serious hard job. They deserve every penny they get. Every penny. Um, but no, listen, guys, we're we're, yeah. we're hitting that hour mark now, which we, we try and keep around that, and it's been fantastic. Thanks have you in. Thank you, uh, have you enjoyed it, Iona? I have enjoyed it. I yeah. feel like I've learned a lot. Oh, he is great for that. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I, that's my favourite thing about Kaz. And whenever I'm unsure about something, I'm always texting Kaz. Like, Kaz. Yeah, because it's cheaper. Alan, obviously. It's cheaper. Well, it's cheaper than Alan. You know, I'm always worried <laughs> Alan bills me for his time, whereas Kaz, like, he owes me so much, he'll never, he'll never bill me. But uh, all the things I taught him in Northumberland. Okay. And on that note, thanks for listening. Great. Well, that was Kaz. What a laugh. Yeah. He's a good lad, eh? Really nice guy. Quite aesthetically pleasing as well. Extremely uh, aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Model for Fed. Oh, yes, absolutely, mm. actually. When Fed is launching tomorrow, excited about that. I think it's launching tomorrow, the new Fed merch. Mm-hmm. Very, very excited. But it's not actually merch, it's its own brand. I have to get away from calling it merch. Yeah, that's tricky though, because you're used to that with the sheep game. Yeah, it's all custom-made, high-end, it is the best of gear. But we'll talk more about that in future Kaz though, when Kaz first went to Northumberland, I think, and he was a bachelor, uh-huh. I think it caused a lot of excitement uh, around the district with yeah. the with the the females mm-hmm. um, getting very excited about this new young farm vet that was that was yeah. single at the time. Catch didn't last long, and Hattie was the champion of them all and and snapped him up. So well done to her. Great to have him on. Great chat, and we'll be back, and we will definitely do a midweek podcast this week. Yes. That's booked in. We'll do a midweek Q and A. We have a couple of questions lined up. It's going to be controversial, looking at the what we're thinking of, and it will be our first video podcast as well. Yeah, I know how you're feeling about that. Oh, I'm excited, but you know, you're used I'm, to you're used to the camera. It's you I'm worried about. <laughs> I'll wash my hair. How, how, <laughs> how do you feel about it? Nervous. Well, it's good as well because people will be able to put a face to the voice. Yeah. Because everyone knows what my ugly face looks like, but not everyone knows what you look like, so it'll be nice. Oh, that's Iona. Yeah. Although yeah. already I've had two messages about the podcast with people saying, you've always had a face for the radio. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. That's why I had to start my own YouTube channel. It was the only way I was going to get on the big screen. But that's exciting. So that'll be out on Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. We'll have that live on our new YouTube channel as well. So check out Fed by Farmers podcast YouTube channel. You'll see it there. And that's us for this one. Thanks again to CF Moto for sponsoring the podcast. I've been Cami. And I've been Iona. And we are both fed by by farmers. farmers.